Welcome. 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 You're listening to Built by Us. Built by Us. Built by Us. Built by Us. Welcome to Season 4 of Built by Us, a podcast by Democracy North Carolina where we highlight hometown heroes, NC politics, and pro-democracy action. It's Alyssa Rodriguez here, as always, your host, and I am so excited for you to hear today's episode. Episode 1 of Season 4 is special. It's an ode to the one and the only Democracy Summer 2022. And that's why we are kicking off this season with a friend-turn-led conversation on just what it means to be a student leader at a predominantly white institution. Our Democracy Summer interns Ingrid, Jemiah, and Starlin have a wonderful conversation planned for you featuring guests of their very own. So I'll let the host take it from here. And without further ado, I present to you season four. Let's meet the guests. Everything that she just said, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> I just got to say, I'm loving the energy we're creating in the studio tonight. Um, so I'm Brianna. I go by she, her pronouns. I go to Warren Wilson College. Um, it's a tiny liberal arts college in Swannanoa, North Carolina. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on student leadership, and I think this will be a great conversation. So thank you guys for having me. Hi, everyone. My name is Laura Tuvaro. I also go by Laura. I am a current senior at Appalachian State University, and I'm excited to be here. I'm Nzinga Saluki Bay. I am a graduate of Guilford College with a bachelor's in community and justice studies. So that means that I just do a lot of community and justice work. So all I've done my whole life is community organizing and activism and things like that. Anyway, that's who I am. I guess we can start with the first question. So does your college have an office of diversity, equity, and inclusion? And if so, what do you think about it or what has been your experience? Okay, I'm gonna start because it's gonna be easy. First of all, Gilbert College got their first DI office in 2017. Um, of course, I wasn't there yet, but in 2017. And then during the pandemic, they laid off um, about the whole staff except the president and the vice president of the DI office. And then the president of the DI office last year left, and then the VP left last semester. And so there was nobody in the office. And then the person they hired, <laughs> the person they hired was supposed to be for the Latinx students on campus and not to speak for a group that I am not in, but she sucked. She did not do her job. The DI office did, was not helpful. It did not work. It's just a lot of scandal, a lot of bad things going on in the DI office and they still haven't hired anybody. And so right now there's no representation. The students don't feel heard. Um, and all the, basically all the clubs are taking up work for actual positions and actual jobs. And they also got rid of the immigrant coordinator on campus, um, but they're trying to bring it back because the students fought for it. But all in all, you know, there's a whole lot of drama. I thought my story was bad. <laughs> so my school has a wide office and it stands for Wilson Inclusion Diversity and equity? Question mark. My school is obsessed with acronyms. Like it's just not. They're obsessed with them. Um, Ours too. It's okay. <laughs> it's like y'all couldn't. <sighs> anyway, um, the person and sometimes two people who worked there were very overworked, um, but always gave their best. Director of wide 
who was there for a while left. And then like last year sometime, we got hired a new person and they left in a big scandal that I can't really go into. Also, um, one of our buildings was struck by lightning and set on fire, but that's just a side thing. So yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> I can just add that it seems like it's a constant pattern, especially at like PWIs that the diversity, equity and inclusion office is always understaffed, under-resourced, not really provided the funding it needs to, pro to not provided the funding it needs to actually bring bring the change to campus that students of marginalized identities are asking for. And time and time again, it's constant staffing changes, making relationships with members within that office, and then having some work, some things progressing on campus, but then someone else coming in and it kind of just reverting back to what it was. It's always this constant cycle of just inconsistency within those offices from what I've noticed at least. And like it's supposed to be like a safe space for students and like how is that possible if you have no consistency if you have no one that even wants to be there work there like that should be such a humongous red flag and um, I also agree like and I feel like students are taking on so many like roles that should be paid jobs for those offices and like it's just not expected and not assumed um so that is something i've been fighting a lot for like the students that are making these efforts and the the diversity and inclusion office to be getting paid because it is a job like it is literally a job yeah like ingrid said it's people's jobs like i know personally for my student organization we're trying to make mentorship programs you know because like we need this we need that and like our staff can't help us and it's just a lot you know and I don't know sometimes it just it just feels really draining as well just because like at the end of the day we're still students and we're trying to do these jobs and I don't know it's just really hard sometimes. I just wanted to hear a little bit about your experience with the administration as a whole of your college like if there was like one thing that you wish these administrators were doing more or better training, what, what would that be to support diverse groups of students? And that's something that me and Star talk about a lot. We pay tuition, they don't pay us. So when they tell us no, but I'm going to the news stations, I'm talking to the president, I'm going to the board. I don't have to listen to you. Um, yeah, no, that's such a good point. Like remembering that you know, as much as we do benefit from having leadership on campus, at the end of the day, we, I mean, like, you know, at the end of the day, they are there for us. And so our needs should be met and our requirements to have a fulfilled campus and fulfilled college career um, should be met. Yeah, I know personally, like as a first gen student, like kind of at the beginning, I was kind of like, well, I don't want to get in trouble. Like, I'm already lucky to be here, you know? Um, I know that's something that, like, me and Ingrid had talked about. Like, her mom was like, you know, like, why are you saying these stuff? Like, you know, they're paying for your school. But, like, no, like, we should say what we, like, how we feel about these things, you know? It's not that we're lucky to be there. Like, no, like, they're lucky to have us. You know, we have experiences. We have, like, different perspectives, you know, that we bring into the classroom, that we bring into this campus. You know, we also we're like, we also have like to be diversity and inclusion people, like we have to recruit high school students and we do that all for free, you know? 
we bring so much into this campus and sometimes we don't realize it or it's not acknowledged. Agreed so much. I mean, as like we were talking for like three hours about this the other day um, and just like the it's it's scary because the white fragility in like our PWIs is so strong. Like one time I organized a workshop and I named it um, teaching white people how to talk about race. And it was a great conversation. Like I thought it was super productive. It was obviously centered for white people because like that's that's what the point of it. And many students went to administration. They went to like my coach and they were like, why is Ingrid attacking us? Like, what is she doing? Like, we feel attacked, we feel unsafe. Like, and that just like showed me how much this work was needed and how much it was needed to be using that, those words, those like, that, that people do feel attacked. If you're feeling attacked, it's for a reason. And we have to look into that because it's, it should not go unnoticed. Something that came to mind while I was absorbing what you guys were saying was like student leadership, like they make it seem like we have a platform and like more of a voice. And in a lot of ways we do, but at the same time, it's also like we can get into a position where we feel like we're almost voiceless because it's like, I remember having so many situations where something would pop off on campus and I was so upset and just like in my feelings as I should be able to be. Um, but it was like, if I just, you know, I kind of envied some of the other students who weren't in a leadership position. Cause it was like, if I just go off right now, like that's, that feels like that's my whole, like all of my integrity gone. Like I, I know that the only reason why I'm able to be in a lot of these positions is because I'm seen as being like professional or mature or like level-headed and those qualities in a lot of ways are just like a coping mechanism like it's just a means to an end like I'm still just like anyone else and I want to like scream and cry too um but I I know that if I do that then it it's all up and being in that position as well, like from a student standpoint, like in terms of community, it's like almost suffocating because it's like, yeah, I'm doing a lot of transformational work, but it's at the cost of my voice as a student and just like a 21 year old. Um, and that's something I've had to unpack. Thank you guys. Um, so the next question is, well, we've all been involved with different community groups and how have you found support through them? What has been the like benefits of being part of these community groups and doing this work? Um, I can start. I know personally for my student organization, Hispanos and Neils at Guilford, we just had our first Latinx graduation ceremony. And honestly, that was like a really big accomplishment for us. For so long, I know one of my friends that was, she was president at the time, she had been telling me that for so long she had been asking DEI to like help her do this. And they're like, yeah, 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 but never did anything. And then it was finally until like, I was like, okay, Alina, let's do it then. And then I told, you know, we told Nzinga and then we made it happen. And then, you know, we got everyone organized. We did it. It was in all Spanish. It was beautiful. Like, honestly, because of the pandemic, our club kind of 
our club attendance kind of went down and just because like we started telling the students like hey we want to have this you know and they're like wait what you guys want to have this and they just all got so excited they even even the ones that like would usually go home after classes and everything they would come back to come and help us and help do everything and it was honestly so beautiful like even at the end like their parents were like thank you so much for having this this was beautiful and honestly like that just warms up my heart and I'm glad that like this is something that we're going to be able to continue for years to come. I love that. Um, and one of the things that I can say is like, and Lada, you might can back me up on this from like BSA, but I think that, you know, anytime that we have our like, like for example, the MPHC events or like some of the events that BSA has on campus, like the Black Excellence Awards that we do every year, stuff like that, I think is just showing support and bringing back empowerment into like the campus community. But yeah, to me, I think that's that's something that's really special that shows like support. Yeah, um, just my experiences within the Black Student Association at State have been amazing. They have been they have been like a lot more than like what I ever thought it would ever be. Like going into, I never thought that I would have the sense of community that I had, the sense of safety, but also knowing that like I was able to create programs and events and physical spaces for students who come from like, yes, we're all within the same like racial identity, but like within that there's intersecting identities. And even with that, like we all still felt like one community and we're able to just embrace that and take joy in that and being able to do that for my community like that's something that I'm super proud of oh my god you're so cute I was gonna avoid like speaking on my experience because I was like it was kind of a downer but I think you know this is a space for us to talk and be honest so my school is really tiny we have like 700 800 students um and a very small percentage of those students are BIPOC or black. And so I, I did try to get engaged with the BSU in my first semester, but there were some social things that didn't go well for me. So from there, it was kind of like, I don't know, it felt like I was, I thought I was going to have community, but then I didn't. Um, and at the same time, I think that community was was good for a lot of people, but not for me personally. Um, and because there's such a small amount of Black students on my campus, it's kind of like that much harder to find someone who you connect with. Like, you know, even though we share a racial identity and a lot of experiences, it's still like finding someone you click with has always been difficult for me. Exactly. All skin folk ain't kin folk. <laughs> um, so it was one of those experiences where, you know, I was like, we have common goals and interests and we work together in a lot of like some situations, but also, you know, we're not necessarily friends. Um, but I do want to shout out my, like, I think mentors are so important. Um, and for me, that was one of my professors. And I'm not going to name drop her because I don't know if she wants to be name drop, but <laughs> she was an amazing support for me and like really got me through some of my darkest times at that school. Um, and just like, like takes care of me like a, 
like a family member, like, you know, are you okay? What do you need? Um, those types of things are just so important. Like, yeah, that community is really important. I'm really glad that you did find your community. And like you said, your mentor who who helped you, because also it depends on like your definition of community too. Like one thing at Dim and C like that we've done is try to really define what that means for us and also as like interns in general. And everyone had like, you know, some were similar answers and some were, you know, slightly different and some were more based on like community as in like which which you identify and some were based on community as in like your neighborhood. <laughs> and so, um, you know, you can find that community wherever and it really just depends on how, how you define that. So like, you know, your experiences your experience and your community is your community, wherever you find that. One thing that, you know, that we really wanted to ask you all was like, you know, in times you have to support yourself too. So what are some ways that you all kind of balance the work that you do with representing your community and activism on campus, but also being a student? You know, how do you, you know, relax and how do you find that time to balance it in your schedule i'm gonna keep it 100 percent 100 i don't <laughs> i think at one time i was home and my mom literally said to me why are you planning a whole event don't you have a spanish test tomorrow <laughs> and i said i do and stars don't see that <laughs> um uh i don't know how to do that um, I keep myself very organized, though. I make sure that events are not during school times. I make sure if I have a paper due on Friday, then it's done before I have to set up for an event, like things like that. But um, I know what self-care is. I do do that. I will nap 100% of the time. I will skip a class to go to sleep. I do not play about my naps. But other than that, no, Star will tell you. <clears throat> she was like, are you playing an event right now? Didn't you just do an event? Yes, yes, I did. Mm-hmm. No, and I've seen Nzinga do an event and do her homework at the same time. Literally, like she's serving burgers and typing the paper at the same time. I'm like, how are you doing this? But okay, like, I'm gonna let you do you and she get a hundred. I'm like, shook. I think the biggest thing for me is kind of just learning when to delegate and to delegate and to delegate. If I know that I don't have the capacity to do something in a given moment and I have an executive board of however many amount of people, give it to someone else. Because at the end of the day, I would say like, you can't stretch yourself and just stretch yourself to the point where you just don't have the capacity to even function because then whatever org that you're serving, you're not gonna be able to put any energy into that. So you kind of have to just like know your limits and know when you need to step back. Yeah, um, for me, it the first thing was treating it like a job. And that meant nine to five, like, I cut off my email. I don't respond to emails after a certain time. Or if I do, I schedule the email for like 8 a.m. Just to make it seem like I have boundaries. Because when people, you would respond to emails at 3 a.m., people think you don't have boundaries because you don't. <laughs> so I, I, I hide it. Um, the other thing is, you know, it honestly took me a mental health crisis to get to this point. But <laughs> knowing when to quit and knowing when nothing like when the situation is no longer serving you I quit a bunch of stuff and it was the best thing I ever did it was like you know my resume looks good 
And am I benefiting from this anymore? Because if it's not equal benefit, then what's the point? And I think that's hard to, I think that's hard to like quantify, especially since we're not getting paid. So any loyalty I felt towards people had to go to the backseat because if I was going to drop out because I was having a crisis, then I was the one who was being harmed in that situation. Um, so yeah, I'm a big advocate for like quitting stuff. <laughs> no, I, I feel you. I literally got on the phone with Nzinga like two weeks ago and I told her that like, this was, I was like, this is just bothering me so much. Like, I can't believe that this is happening. And she's like, just quit. I'm like, what do you mean just quit? I can't leave. I've been part of this for six years. Like, what do you mean? (laughs) And she's like, just quit, just quit. It's like, she's like, look, you're more stressed right now. You're not happy right now. You were happy before, but you're not happy anymore. So it's not serving you anymore. So you need to leave. And I'm like, I was literally about to cry and everything. And she's like, just do it. And I'm like, okay. That is right. We need, we need people like that in our lives. Like people who tell us <laughs> just quit. Cause that was my mama for me. My mom was like, girl, <laughs> she was like, girl, you're taking this more seriously than the administration. And I said, Ooh. <laughs> Yo, your mom always gonna hit you with the facts. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I'm not even gonna lie. Um, my mom is probably the reason that I left half the stuff that I left. I'm not even <laughs> she's like, no, it's stressing you out. You're not doing your work. <laughs> it's like, are you trying to graduate or not? <laughs> um, yes, ma'am. I'm trying to graduate. I'm trying. I'm really trying. But I want to say three things. One, um, if your friends are telling you not to quit something, my friends told me, no, you shouldn't quit. What does that look like? That means you're a quitter. That means you're weak. All these different types of things. And at first, I'm like, what? I'm fighting them. Like, I'm arguing with somebody about me leaving something. <laughs> and um, I was home, and my mom, my mom was on a call when I was talking to the dean of students. And she told me that they clearly do not respect you, so why are you allowing them to belittle you? That was enough for me. My mom said, no, I stepped down. And I told them it was um, because of personal reasons. And they literally told me I had seven days to actually decide if I was leaving. I was done, done. So number two, um, do not get into anything that you do not have the time for. I just want to really, um, you know, you know, push that. Don't do stuff that you don't have the time for. I know from personal experience, freshman year definitely taught me a lot of stuff. That's so important. Like, Honestly, y'all, it's one of the hardest things ever to, like, I, I've heard everyone talk about, one, know your know your needs and know kind of what you need to do for yourself. And then two, know when to step away. That is one of the hardest things for me, especially because I, I am one of the people who don't like to leave things unfinished. And I don't like to not accomplish a goal that I may have set. And so it's it's so hard to walk away from something if I'm already in the midst of it or if I'm like so close to to accomplishing this goal and so I think one thing one way to to quit (laughs) or walk away is to allow yourself some grace and that's that's a practice that (laughs) that takes no that takes a lot (laughs) to to give yourself grace to know like, okay, I have to step away for this, um, from this for my mental health. And it's in, 
it's important, it's urgent, so I need to do this and allowing yourself that grace to do that. So yeah, that's really hard, but it is essential. So I think like the last kind of thing that we wanted to ask y'all was, you know, where do you see yourself in 10 years? And, you know, if you have kind of a vision of the future, do you believe or do you see the role that you played as a student leader being a part um, or playing a factor into that future? Uh, I mean, <laughs> 10 years is a long time. Um, yeah, let me. Yeah, I see it playing a role. Um, it's a massive part of my resume and it's gotten me to the places where I am now. So it kind of naturally, I think a lot of jobs are going to align with that for me. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be working in DEI, but like it, it would make sense just looking at my resume probably. Um, and where I see myself, I probably am going to be doing a lot of similar stuff, but hopefully in a position where I'm not being exploited um, and paid fairly. <laughs> um, and I just want to be happy. Like, I don't really care what that looks like as long as the vibes are right. Um, in 10 years, I'll be 31. And I will probably be working in the White House. And Star will probably be, you know, almost about to be the Speaker of the House. And yeah, I'll be living in D.C. And I'm not just saying all this, I'm dead serious. And um, yeah, I'll be married. And will working with all the clubs that I work for have impacted? Yes, because this year has taught me that I really would like to be a cabinet member in the White House, whatever that looks like. A secretary of Education, um, Secretary of State. Um, I really would like to do work like that because it is what got me into the um, organization that I'm in right now. And it got me into an Ivy League school in DC. So it definitely had an impact. And I think a lot of the times people always are just very surprised that a lot of the work that I do, one, because I'm a black woman, um, and a lot of the work that I do is with education and immigration and reproductive rights. Um, so yeah, definitely. This is gonna be the biggest impact in my life. So yeah. And I just wanted to ask, like if you could kind of like hold yourself before your first day at your college or university, what would you tell yourself? What would you like warn yourself or what would you say to anyone who you think might be put in a similar position to yours? What would you say to them? I would say stand in your power, stand in your power and don't allow any administration, anyone else essentially on campus who is in a position of power to diminish you, to diminish what you have to say, to diminish the space that you take in these spaces, stand in your ground. Stand your ground and don't allow anyone to tell you differently. That's what I would tell them. That that hits. <laughs> um, for me, it's I always tell the, you know, the student leaders who I've chatted with, I always tell them, like, what's your goal? And are you mutually benefiting from this? Like, if you can take yourself out of the equation, 
I'm, I'm an INTJ, by the way. So I'm always thinking of like <laughs> objectively looking at a situation. Um, like if you take yourself out of this and it's not about the people, the emotions, like it's not about any of that. Like just thinking of, is this worth it for you? Like knowing you're not getting paid, you're on some level and sometimes a large level being exploited, like taking advantage of your time, like, but is this going to pay off for you? And if so, then like, keep going for it. But once it gets to that point where it's not worth it anymore, you got to cut it off. Like you have to know when to stop. Um, you like, you can't let like feelings of loyalty or, um, guilt, like keep you from stopping when it's no longer good for you. And also know you're more than a student. Like, stop calling yourself a student leader. Look at yourself. I know that's like ironic because this is about student leadership, but like by the time you're in your second semester, in my opinion, you shouldn't be calling yourself a student leader. You should be looking at what traits you've gained from your student leadership and then saying, hey, I'm a visionary. I'm a racial justice advocate. I'm X, Y, Z, because you're you're not going to be a student leader <laughs> for the rest of your life. You're just not. <laughs> So um, you got to know when to pivot and when to start looking outside of your school, because like you're doing this work to gain some skills and to build your resume. Um, you're not doing it to be a student leader for the rest of your life. You're not. And also all the all the people you're dealing with, they're going to be gone in like. Four years besides your besties, so you just got to know it's temporary and just know what your goal is. Um, so. If I saw Little and Zynga on Gifford College campus in August of 19 and I gave her a big hug and a kiss, I would say you are capable of love. You are powerful. You are not the definition of diversity, nor should you be the ending definition of diversity. And I would conclude and say that you should always pay it forward, no matter what that looks like. I, um, oh, that was beautiful. Like we were just talking about that, um, Ingrid and Starlin and I, um, for me personally, I would say that really learn where, take the time to learn where you, you know, stand in your role in your life, but also the role that you play and how you want to lead or go forward in social justice and communities. Because um, I think one of the issues is when we don't take the time to look inward and learn more about where we stand and what our role is and who we are, um, we often get lost and we can become totally different people or we can let the world kind of um, shape us into people that maybe we wake up one day and don't recognize who you are so you have to stand strong in your truth and who you are and look inward so that you can reflect reflect that beauty outward I really really appreciate all of your insight um each and every single last one of you have really you're leaving me with something to think about <laughs> tonight but um you all are just you know awesome inside and out and I really am so happy to get to talk to y'all I hope you guys give as much credit and love towards yourself as much as I feel towards you right now because it's a lot and I hope you get that credit. <laughs> Thanks 
thanks for helping to create a North Carolina that is built by us. And thanks for listening to this podcast made up by and for the people. I love it. That was great. Connect with us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at DemocracyNC. Or you can visit our website at democracync.org.